It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and welcome back to Talent Talk. It's uh, Tuesday, so we're back here uh, talking to two wonderful people uh, today who hopefully teach us all kinds of great things uh, about talent, about management, about leadership, um, and that's really how this show kind of began. I kind of bump into these great people all the time at different conferences or on LinkedIn or wherever it may be, and I would ask them a 100 questions and hopefully pull some nuggets out that I could use in my own my own work and my own company and we decided hey let's have a radio show where we can have this conversation out in the open and let everybody else listen in on it and hopefully allow you to take home something that you might be able to use at home at work uh, with your employees whatever it may be so uh, talent talk is live here every tuesday we actually are on at 1 p.m pacific standard time and um but most of you actually access this through uh, the podcast. So later on, we turn this into a podcast, and that gets thrown up onto iTunes or onto iHeartRadio. And the last several years, we've really been averaging a really great amount. It gets about 10,000 downloads a day. So it's a few million people have come in and interacted with the shows, and we're really proud of that. And thank you to everyone who's coming in and listening and contributing and giving us your, your, your thoughts and um, kind of just being a part of the show. Reminds me, if you have a question, uh, we'd love to have the interaction. You can submit them via Twitter. Uh, Mike, my uh, producer Mike, uh, he actually live tweets this, and as he gets questions, he actually throws them to me through an IM program, and if it's a good one, we try to feed it into the into the conversation. So feel free to do that. If it's after the fact, then feel free to, to just go ahead and tweet us there anyways. It's at PeopleG2, hashtag Talent Talk, and I'm sure my guests will be happy to answer your questions even after the interview. Speaking of guests, I have two wonderful ones today. The first one is uh, joining me from all the way from Ireland via Skype, so got to love technology. We somehow got all of our bugs worked out moments before we started the show, so just in time. Um, and so my first guest will be Ashley uh, Tayer. I think she's probably going to correct me on the pronunciation of that, probably. And uh, CEO of uh, Tandem HR Solutions. And then we'll have Bianca McCann. On, uh, she's the VP of HR and a cloud HCM expert uh, of the networks for SAP. So this will be uh, Bianca's second time on the show, so we're glad to have her back. But she'll be on after the commercial break. But let's go ahead and bring in my first guest. Uh, Ashley, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So let's get the, the elephant out of the room here. How do I say your name pr- properly? You got it surprisingly accurate, which has to be a first for my name. Yeah, it's wow. actually there. You, you, you did it perfectly. Thank and you. Gen- generally, I have to pay the uh, 
pay Paul, who uh, helps us with the show here, uh, some sort of a fine every time I mess up a name, which means <laughs> I'm very poor, seems to mess them up. So anyways, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, um, you know, kind of how you got started, what you're up to, and of course, tell us about Tandem HR Solutions. Sure, I'd love to. Yeah, so I've been in HR all of my career. I literally started my degree in HR, and then I did a research master's in performance management. And I worked my way up from the bottom in HR roles through different industries, you know, anywhere from banking, food, security. Um, and eventually I found my way to um, becoming the HR director for SAP in Ireland. And we grew the Irish operation um, quite big. And then I went out and helped them get started with um, SAP China. Um, and from there, I moved on to become the HR director for Telefonica um, O2 in Ireland. And um, we had a good a good run there. And Telefonica then decided to set up a European shared service centre. And, uh, and I had the good um, privilege to be asked to set it up from scratch. And it was their first European organisation. So literally, I had that uh, beauty of being able to build an organisation from scratch in my own way, which was wonderful. Um, and, then, uh, and then I went out to consulting. Um, but I always had an itch in HR. And I love HR. I love everything about it. But my probably biggest passion in HR was always performance management. And I got to do lots of different performance management solutions, homemade ones, uh, global ones, European ones, you name it, I put them in. But they never felt quite right. Um, it always felt like they didn't quite work. And trust me, I was the HRD who got all the ratings in on time and had perfect bell curves. And I was really, you know, religious about the whole thing. But it still didn't feel quite right. And uh, Tandem is something that sets out to, to scratch that itch, really, and, and get it right. Um, so Tandem is all about a feedback and coaching tool. So what we do is we have a mobile-led solution that allows people to give each other feedback on the go, set their goals on the go. Um, but what we also do is we analyze the patterns of feedback and we have coaching reports for um, individuals so they can see how they're perceived in the organization and they can also understand their personal brand in the organization and kind of influence it from there. So it really helps them understand their growth and development trajectory and where they need to go with their development. Um, and it's a way of them identifying the progress that they've made in the organization. So, so Tandem is there to kind of bring feedback and coaching to life in organizations through technology. It, yeah, it sounds like a, a really a great tool and something that companies uh, could get a lot of value out. But it sounds like a lot of value for the employee as well. I know there's some, you know, other solutions that might fall into a, a vertical. So maybe what are some of the real specific things? I think maybe you started to, to hit, hit on that, but maybe we go a little bit deeper on, on how, you know, your solution would be different than other maybe uh, services or products that are maybe similar. Sure, sure. So there is, um, you know, there there is a couple of other feedback um, solutions out there, but where they tend to land is in the uh, kind of in the praise business, you know, a facility for people to recognize each other and praise each other on the go. Tandem is very much about growth. So we really encourage that constructive feedback to come through. And we like to see people through the lens of the company values and behaviors. So those behaviors that are important to the company. So people give each other feedback in that context that it should be constructive and it should it should kind of reference how they see people through the values. And we do two things, one for the employee where we pop for them a personal dashboard and they can see, look, this is how 
how does everyone around me perceives me through the eyes of the company values. So if your company values are, you know, trust, leadership, being brave or bold, your scores are really high on, on being brave and bold, and but maybe not so high on leadership. And that allows you to go in and set some personal and development goals for yourself so that you can start to influence that perception of you. Um, but it also shows you the progress that you've made, all the great things that you've achieved, all of the goals that you've had. You can favorite your feedback and interact with your feedback in different ways so it pops up in your personal dashboard. And we see that as a tool that employees can bring into conversations with their manager to say, hey, look, here's a 360 view of me right now. And here's the how much progress I've made, but here's the areas I'd really like to develop. So we're trying to give back the ownership of growth and development right back into the employees so that they can really drive their careers forward. And in parallel, we also then give managers a coaching report and we show them how their coaching capability is compared to the company norms. But we don't just want to give scores on the doors. So we give them real coaching tips to help them become great coaches for their people. So, um, you know, if, if the system spots that maybe trust is a little bit low for a leader, it gives them some ideas about how you can develop trust on your team. So we're constantly kind of we're a bit like, you know, a, a little whisper in your ear kind of going, hey, you might try and do these things to, to, to become an even better coach. Because we recognize that coaching is a journey and most managers aren't born coaches they have to learn it over time and it's it's a tool to really help them on their journey so you know one of the things that kind of popped in my head as you were talking about uh, what sounds like a, a great tool is i wonder how many companies don't really have those values that maybe articulated or really set or updated you talk about leadership or being bold or those do you ever run into that issue that they you know, they want to run down, they want to do all this cool coaching stuff, but they don't really have this great idea of what those things are that they really want to value. Yeah, yeah, you do. You And, and I have to be honest, we're really picky about who we work with, you know, so we <laughs> often say, you know what, I don't think we're for you, you know, because if they're not up for that journey of creating a feedback culture and they're just looking for a silver bullet tool that, you know, they don't have to engage in the journey. They're just looking, you know, to show people, hey, we've got a cool tool. Then we tend to back off, I'll be honest, and we tend to leave them to our competitors because we really want to engage with companies that have growth at the heart of their journey and, and, and the heart of their culture. They want to grow and develop their people and they're serious about it and they want strong feedback cultures. Um, and, and you know, we, we really help them diagnose, do you have a strong feedback culture? So there's some great analytics in the background, real really strong analytics that you can bring into any boardroom with pride. And of course, it's all real-time data. So, you know, you can pick it up that morning and walk into the boardroom that afternoon and showcase who you're most trusted leaders are, who's living the values in your organization, you know, what's the social network of your organization. So you can really dig deep. But really, that's the kind of information you don't want to put in the wrong hands, too. So if you get a company that isn't going to take that information in the right context, then really it's just a source of frustration for both the company and for us. So so we tend to just work with companies who, who are on that progressive journey and want to get to those places. So you, you're kind of identifying then there are, you know, ideal clients and then there are those that are kind of not there yet. So maybe yeah. maybe one day they'll, they'll, they'll come back. But so what, we, what are what are some of the things that maybe companies that are, are missing? Are there things that business leaders that you're kind of seeing are, are, are missing that they're not seeing, you know, so that um, maybe they could do a better job or be ready for a tool like yours? 
Yeah, um, I think anybody who, who wants to have great coaches in their organization, they have to recognize that that takes time. You know, you can't rush people through a leadership development program and a bit of mentoring here and there and hope they transform into brilliant coaches. You know, 80% of them won't. They need time to refine that art. It's like learning any skill. You know, you wouldn't expect them to become a finance expert overnight either or a great developer overnight. You know, every skill requires time. Um, and I think what we're, we're very time poor in business and managers are very time poor. And, and I think we're quite hard on our leaders a lot of the time because we expect such great things from them. You know, we expect them to deliver these amazing business results and um, to network with their peers, to impress their bosses and to grow and develop their people. That's a pretty tall order. And often the time is squeezed on developing your people. Um, and I think in HR, maybe we haven't helped that because we haven't had the right metrics in place to really see how well people are doing that job. You know, I know we all fill out employee surveys and do 360 reviews, but they're really capturing a moment in time. And let's face it, a lot of those things are easily manipulated too. So so I think, you know, by having the right metrics around capturing how strong your leaders are at coaching and, you know, trying to help them get to the next level and, and being really defined about the interventions because every manager's needs are different um, and, and, and understanding those differences and helping people with those differences, I think is really important and, and giving it that time. But I see now there's a lot of businesses ready to, to go on that journey and to do that. So so we, we're keeping plenty busy with it anyway. Yeah, I mean, kind of over your time in HR, do you feel like we are coming into a new wave? Uh, it, it, I know from my perspective, it feels like we're kind of maybe finally dipping our toe into this you know, kind of greater, um, you know, understanding of this touchy-feely, sticky stuff in, in culture and HR. And yet at the same time, when we look at some of the data points like, um, you know, Gallup's recent, you know, 250-page PDF that basically said it still kind of sucks out there. You know, so wh- where do you where do you kind of land on that? Are we, are we getting there or are we still have a ways to go? Yeah, I, I think we're getting there. You know, when, when I came to HR, we weren't even at the board table at that stage. I'm sure right, my right. age, of course. But, you know, but then we got to the board table and it's like we didn't know what to do with it. You know, we weren't all that strategic. And over time, we got increasingly strategic. But I think now they're doing the right things. And even though they're kind of building the bridge as they walk on it, they're they're not, they're, they're kind of, they're throwing caution to the wind a little bit, but I think that's a good thing. You know, I meet a lot of clients and they say, you know what, Ashley, we've thrown out performance management. We don't do ratings. We don't do bell curves anymore. And I said, are, you know, are you worried about, you know, whether your people are really going to have proper performance conversations? They're like, we're absolutely worried. We don't know what the next step is, but we felt it was the right thing to throw it out now that's not the right thing for everybody but i love that hr people are doing what they believe is the right thing even though we don't have all the answers i think that's brave and i think that shows real leadership and i think people are doing really transformative things if you think about you know performance management it's been an institution for like 25 years in hr it hasn't really been touched i mean it's been tweaked but not really changed whereas people are doing really dramatic things with it now i think that's brilliant i i love this new brave world we've entered and i hope it i hope it continues 
bravery is a great word for it because it's you know there's something better you know that there's uh, you should be doing something else and what exactly that is it's you know not totally it's not definitive and maybe it will never be definitive but um yeah it starts to feel like there's a few more good options out there you know one of the kind of important things that we see is with these kinds of tools is it's really works well for those people who are the right person in the job. So how does something like what you're doing maybe help identify or deal with people? It might be great. They might be all those things on those, you know, words on the wall that you want your company to be, but maybe they just aren't the right person for that job. You know, they just aren't good enough at programming or, or good enough at sales or whatever that thing may be. They're just the wrong person in that job. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the tragedy is, I think, a lot of the time people aren't in the right job and they could be so much happier in another job, either in that right. company or another company. And sometimes we're just not brave enough to, to give them that constructive feedback. And I think that's what Tandem is all about. It's about being really honest with people and going, you know what, here's some constructive feedback. Here's 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 a way of, of me being good to you because I'm, I'm helping you grow by giving you some constructive feedback. You know, I love all this research from Carol Dweck on the growth mindset and so on. People right. are hungry for that. They really want that growth. And most people will thank you, you know, because what they don't want to do is waste three years in a job they're no good at, then not get the promotion and then walk out kicking the door on the way out. That's the worst outcome. So we're being much fairer to them by giving them constructive feedback early. And and I think our, our, the way we coach people in the system we're giving them a lot of self-awareness, you know, and, and we don't tell you you're, you're really crap at leadership. There's no like two out of 10 score, but the absence of being recognized for being a strong leader tells you something in itself. So if leadership isn't coming up for you as a score, then, you know, by, by default, you realize, oh, crikey, I'm, I'm not a great leader and maybe this isn't the right job for me. And you can have a really honest conversation with your boss. And I think that's what Tandem's trying to do. It's trying to bring honesty and feedback and, and help people grow and become the best version of themselves. Because you're right, a lot of people are sitting in the wrong job, which doesn't allow them to become the best version of themselves. So no little bubble that floats over your face in your system that says crap at leadership. I love that. That's good. <laughs> Not so far. <laughs> Not so far. All right. Well, you know, you talked about having the right company, and it sounds a lot like, you know, it's going to be a fairly sophisticated client, um, a company who's got employees and has been doing this for a while. So how do you see your service or the things you're kind of promoting maybe fitting in into a startup culture, a startup role? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, the, the interesting thing is a lot of startups asked us, could they use our tool? Um, and for some of them, we said, yeah, and actually the tool is live in, in a startup accelerator, which is a really interesting experiment because these are people who don't work together and um, they work in separate companies, but they are a community and it's really developed the community aspect of them. So that's a really interesting, prog- you know, client that, that, that we have. But I think with, with entrepreneurs, you know, 
the beauty of entrepreneurs is is they're so passionate about what they do. But I think the really important thing for them is they have to keep loving the problem they're trying to solve. You know, I think sometimes we, you know, entrepreneurs, we, we get carried away with our own product and we think, you know, our product answers all the questions for a client. But that's that's not true. Sometimes you have to tweak and evolve the product so that it's really right. Um, but if you keep focused on, you know, staying in love with the problem you're trying to solve and, and helping clients solve that problem. And even if that means, you know, tweaking or changing your 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 product, I think that's really worth doing. And, and we invest in a lot of co-innovation with our clients because we're constantly asking them, you know, do you, do you want to lose some of the functionality? Do you want to switch stuff off? Do you want an extra functionality that's not there? Because their problem is unique to them and, and the product will will solve it better as they innovate with the product. So so over time, you know, you, you get this lovely co-innovation where the product is getting better all the time, but the client's problem is getting better solved by that as well. So kind of a great way to, to phrase it and a good segue into what I'm going to ask you next is, at what point do you think HR can try to be a bit more entrepreneurial in that way? I mean, where, do, you, do you see a future, you know, uh, f- for them and for the average HR person to really, you know, kind of get into more of that role where they're, they're trying to, to solve things in a preemptive way instead of, I guess, maybe being someone who's receiving people in a door, right, a, a, a complaint taker? Yeah, I, I really think it is time for HR to get up and lead. I think we tend to be a little bit overly cautious and we have the, you know, we wait for the approval of multiple stakeholders before we act. And I think it's time to get over that a little bit and, and move on and just lead from the front. It's time to be brave and go, you know what? We're going here and and come with us on this journey. You have to trust us on this journey because you don't see finance running around asking the whole organization, you know, should they bring in a best in class system? You know, you don't see finance act like that because they feel confident in their own decision making. I think it's time that HR matured into that and went, you know what, I don't need to ask 10 leaders if it's okay if I do something. I need to lead from the front and I need to to progress with the solution that I believe is right for this organization. And I think a lot of us have the CEO's ear now and, and are the CEO's confidant. And we have we have the right to that role. And society has let us have the right to that role because the whole of society has changed. So the future of work and the way we work has to change. So, so I think they're waiting on that lead from us. And, and now is the time to do it. Well, we're almost out of time, and uh, just it's flown by, so I want to make sure we ask our two favorite questions. Uh, and the first one is, is there a book that you're reading right now or you recently finished that you might share with us? Yeah, they're, they're, I've just finished uh, Chaos Monkeys by Antonio Garcia Martinez. It's a, it's a journey of a startup uh, in Silicon Valley, and he sold to Twitter and uh, worked for Facebook for a few years. So it's, it's kind of an interesting read. But interestingly, I just got a copy yesterday, a signed copy of Bill McDermott's book, uh, Winner's Heart, and I can't wait to get stuck into that. That, that. that should be a good read. I'm a big fan of his. Well, those sound like great books uh, to check out. Um, and, of course, the last but not least is how can people get a hold of you or learn more about Tandem HR Solutions if they're interested in working with you? Sure. Um, they can tweet me at TandemHRSol um, or they can send an email to info at TandemHRSolutions.com. Fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us today. I really uh, appreciate you being here, and hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you as well. All right, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break with my second guest, Bianca McCann. 
Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the uh, Talent Talk radio show. Uh, my next guest will be uh, Bianca McCann, VP of HR. Um, and don't forget, you can go to TalentTalkRadio.com and listen to past shows there. Visit us on iTunes or listen to us on iHeartRadio. You can find us just about anywhere. So uh, really appreciate everyone who's coming in, listening to shows. And, of course, we'd love to have you kind of interact with us on Twitter. So don't forget to go to Twitter, pop in that at PeopleG2, at PeopleG2 and put in your question, your comment, whatever it may be. If you got room, add in that hashtag TalentTalk. Helps us find it, retweet it. Get it out, whatever question you have answered. So uh, with no further ado, let's go ahead and get to my second guest. Uh, Bianca, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. So glad to be here. So why don't you tell a little bit about yourself and, of course, your company and everything else that you're doing uh, that maybe people should know about you and maybe they didn't hear if they didn't hear you the first time. That sounds great. Thanks for the opportunity. So uh, I'm Bianca McCann. I work on the SAPHR team. And uh, it's been a great over five years with SAP. I came through our uh, Success Factors acquisition. And for folks who do not know what SAP does, um, I will share that we are one uh, the number one enterprise software company on the planet. We have over 350,000 customers in 180 countries. And we're a market leader in some really amazing HCM solutions, which uh, I get spoiled with at work every day. We've got about 80,000 people that work at our company, and I'm really proud to share that we were just named one of the top 100 companies to work for by Fortune. Well, that's fantastic. I know you're a big organization, a great organization. I've always had uh, uh, been one that has sort of a really good brand around it. But you're right. I think people don't always necessarily know what you guys do if they don't maybe actually purchase your or things like that. So it's good that you kind of gave us that quick overview. Um, you know, as an HR strategist, what are you hoping your clients really gain from you know, so the overall human capital management solutions that you offer? That's a great question. And I think, you know, as a as a HCM leader, some of the things that I think about are sort of table stakes, things like, you know, a really great experience for your employees, you know, providing one-stop shopping, one engagement hub where an employee can sort of have the, the frustration-free packaging experience that they get from an institution like Amazon. They can actually have that in the workplace. You know, they're supported for, for the things that they need to execute, we're sort of omnipresent and around that employee, that manager, that leader, whenever they need us. So definitely employee engagement. I also think some benefits of uh, human capital management solutions definitely can be found in things like ready-to-go workforce analytics. You know, we've got now this amazing solution that can basically serve up all the analytics that we in HR have been 
really challenge to be able to gather and act on. We spend a lot more time gathering data than actually making insightful movement on that data. So I think we're really freed up to, to change our focus and start making some, some serious uh, action. And also, I think HR gets a lot out of it. You know, personally, as an HR leader, I love to use human capital solutions to think about how can we simplify our HR function? You know, now how can we create a great experience for HR to really deliver in the strategic element of HR and get out of the operational pieces that employees really want to manage themselves today? And finally, one more, um, what I really love about cloud solutions in general is that they provide truly an access to innovation that we've never seen before. For folks who uh, know about on-premise HR and the things that we've worked uh, through in the past, it's difficult to see our platforms getting updated and really, at the end of the day, our people having that innovation to consume. But with any cloud solution today, you're going to get automatic updates. You know, Imagine like an update to an app that you have on your phone. This is not disruptive. It's totally natural now, and it's uh, delivering innovation at scale regularly, and that is a huge win for HR. So I have this habit of hearing something really interesting in the beginning of the guest responses and then trying to remember to focus on the rest of it because I don't want to forget to to ask you. But you mentioned um, data points for HR people, and this is something that's come up a lot where – with the new tools that are out there, HR or whoever it may be in the organization can get a lot of data, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything for them if they don't have the right data. So what, what are some of the things that you're seeing are, is maybe the right data or the right kinds of things that you see your best customers actually focusing on and being able to leverage in the organization? Great question. And, that, and that's sort of a not an easy one, but a, an answer that should be easy which is really benchmarking. You know, the best solutions out there today are bringing in not just, you know, housing and analyzing and serving up your data for action, your internal organizational data, but they're also being able to provide sort of collective intelligence, the benchmarking data that we in HR, you know, rarely get our hands on. You know, how do we know what the best attrition rate, what's the healthy rate? How do we know how uh, the best recruiting um, uh, channels to go get our talent? What are other people in, like, industries doing? That's information we really haven't had access to in the past. So for me, that's really where sort of where the rubber meets the road, where HR can truly make impact to say, okay, we're on our way. You know, we're, we're keeping pace with the industry or we're trailblazing. We get to choose what we want to do, where we want to be on the change curve. But that data, that benchmarking data um, that we've never had really to this level before can help really guide us up, up and down that curve. And is there room within that data for, you know, I, I always suggest to HR people that they look at what's working and they look at what is going well. You're trying to use that data to find out, you know, where you're having your successes and, you know, what are your best employees doing? What are your, your most um, productive teams doing? You know, that kind of thing. Is, is it the data that you're able to, to extrapolate with your system, able to help them with that kind of a thought process? Yeah, absolutely. So really profiling, you know, best in class and what that means in your organization. You know, data today, that's sort of table stakes, being able to know what what's an amazing hire or what are the top performers doing at my company that, that other performers who could become top performers could do more of. Um, what, what's the learning that is, what learning interventions are the most impactful that people are actually consuming on their own? <laughs> and we're starting to see, you know, particular uh, skill or behavioral attributes continue to climb. We can measure those things today in really unparalleled ways. That is really powerful for us. So, yes, absolutely. 
So one of the things I noted on your LinkedIn uh, profile is that you bring a, a kind of a deep HR knowledge and connect HR, you know, peer to HR peers. So how important is it, in your opinion, for HR pros like you to grow in their own knowledge and development and kind of by having that peer to peer connection as opposed to maybe just showing up to these large, you know, nameless conferences where you sit with 10,000 of your closest friends to try to learn something? Where do you kind of see the difference in there? Yeah, I think I've been to way too many of those conferences. I think I may have even spoken at some of those conferences, so uh, apologies in advance. <laughs> but I think a couple of things. <laughs> I think the most, you know, really the most savvy HR leaders today, they're out, they're collaborating, they're sharing um, with peers, they're tapping into resources and best practices, because I think what we realize today is there's no business book that you're going to go pick up. There's no necessarily even a blog post that's going to be uh, able to provide you the amount of information uh, agilely that you're going to need to, to be able to do your job in HR. It's really a dynamic field, and it is about the network today. That's really different than it was in the past. We, You know, in the past, we were really guarded about our talent practices and the way that we um, take advantage of our human capital in good ways and ensure that they're poised for success. We didn't want to share that. That was our competitive advantage. And today I think we realize in this network sharing, you know, knowledge economy that that where knowledge used to be power, knowledge sharing really is the key to success today. You give to get. I also think what we started to see as we share is that because HR is moving away from one-size-fits-all process, you know, there's one way to do performance or there's one way to develop talent, we know that's not true anymore. I think we're starting to see that the process itself isn't the secret sauce. You know, it's the culture of your company and the way that employees are able to react to the things that you're providing to them and take advantage of those. That's the secret sauce. And so we can share freely because our culture is something entirely different. That takes an enormous amount of time, energy, and um, enthusiasm to build. It cannot be easily replicated. So and the other thing I wanted to kind of ask you about that kind of came up in our in looking at some of the things that you're doing is this idea of around employee enablement as opposed to employee engagement. So can you maybe talk about kind of the differences and what you're seeing is you know one better than the other? Is it you kind of a, just a different way to phrase it or is it really kind of promoting something much different? Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I think I saw the word enablement really creep up maybe five years ago, right? And enablement itself you ask people what it means, it has a lot of different definitions. So I think the first thing that I always think about is, you know, what's the difference between enablement versus engagement? So engagement to me is really about that that emotional attachment, right? How the employees feel about the company, their commitment and connection emotionally leads to higher productivity. But enablement is different. You know, enablement to me is about sort of the practical side of that. Um, Do they have what they need to succeed from a tools and resource perspective they can do their job really well. You know, that can be like a computer, like a physical tool, or it can be something more abstract like support from their manager or the, the best training uh, to support their, their growing skill set. So enablement is really important. It's part of the engagement puzzle. I don't think they're uh, interchangeable. I think enablement needs to be more deeply considered as part of an engagement strategy because if you think about um, just drivers of employee engagement, right, it's things like, do I know how I fit into the, the greater strategy of the company? Do I have a good relationship with my manager? Am I clear at, at how I can be successful here? All of these are also um, underlined, so to speak, with having the right tools to do those things well. Have we provided 
where we can in HR and our sphere of influence, the enabling pieces to allow the delivery of engagement. So it's fascinating to think about the two. I think they're really they're really separated. Um, and I'm thrilled in my role to get to be able to be involved deeply in enablement to then see that experience engage the employee. Well, you sort of given me a new uh, a word to think about. I hadn't um, been kind of it hadn't run across my my eyes yet. So I, I'm glad that you're kind of bringing this forward, and it's an interesting way to think about it and, and it has, how it really differs from engagement. And yeah. I think it's important for people to think about. There's that, you know, are you happy? Do you feel like you fit in? And then or do you feel empowered? Do you feel like you have, you know, the things that you need to, to, to go out there to make things happen? And that, that those are those are different, and they're really important, I think, to that overall experience and uh, maybe success for not only you but the company. Is, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're saying it. You, it's like words right out of my head, so perfect. You know, I also think just one more point on this is <laughs> that you know you can really you can really destroy employee engagement. Even the most highly engaged employee, you can destroy that without really taking care of enablement, right? Because if we're if we're creating barriers of entry for employees to be engaged, which shows up again in great relationships, great work, compelled by the commitment of the company, what they're doing out in the world, and how the employees contribute. If we're not able to allow employees to easily access that that piece of what they do and the emotion that comes off that, because there's things annoying things like bad technology or really bad managers or um, paperwork or ambiguous responsibilities, if we if we don't remove those barriers to entry with enabling resources, we'll never really get to engagement. So, uh, yeah, great topic. I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah, um, and that's you know while we're here, we're trying to trying to find the new things or find the cool things that people are talking about to really kind of dive in deeper. Uh, you know, I noticed that you also do some stuff around personal branding, and we've had uh, and because this was your second time on, I think we also had Steve Canal on the other day, and that was his second or maybe third time on. He's with Miller Coors and does a lot of cool stuff with their you know, innovation and entrepreneurial things. But he really talked about a personal brand being so important. For yourself and everything you're doing, regardless of where, you know, whether you see yourself as a celebrity or you feel like you're, you know, just you're the customer service agent of a large company, that having your own personal brand is so important. So how do you see the importance of that? And, and how does that maybe really help an employee achieve greater success in their own career? This is right up my alley. Um, personal branding. I, I don't know if we've talked about it to death or if we're just getting started. So that's why I love this topic. <laughs> I never get sick of it. Uh, a couple things. I mean, I think, you know, personal brand is important for every single person. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. It's at every single level. And, and here's why it's important to me and why I think people should care about it. I think a personal brand gives you permission to be yourself. I really believe that. And being authentic in the workplace today is, is partly what we offer, even in SAP, is our employer, uh, employee value proposition. You know, bring yourself to work fully. You can do that in a much more deliberate way if you can, if you can really think about what is the value that I bring to the organization? What is the perception that I expect people to have about me in the workplace? And authentically, what am I willing to accept, the good, the bad, and the ugly, about that perception? You know, I may come off as impatient one day, but acts with a sense of urgency the next day, right? Truly, this almost the same exact thing, but perceived differently. So controlling how you're going to be um, perceived in the workplace gives you permission to be yourself. I also would say a personal brand is really exciting, and people should definitely sign up to do this because 
It allows you to leave your mark. You can really think about, you know, what's the legacy I want to leave behind? What do I want to be known for? And being deliberate about how people should think about you because of the work that you're producing or the way that you're making them feel or the impact that you're having, you can control that. Um, you know, I have a personal brand. I use these three key words. I think about them all the time. And they are the lens by which I accept what work I do. I produce the work that I, you know, send out. Send out. I work with teammates and colleagues. Everything is in the lens of, of my brand. And, um, you know, you don't really get, you don't really know how to sort of get your head around that until you sit down and do the work. So branding is really important, and it's really fun. Well, and I mean, the way that you're kind of articulating it is really important that, um, you know, it really allows you to be yourself. And I, I just can't think of anybody that would last more than 10 minutes in an organization that when creating their personal brand would choose things that aren't positive, that aren't their strengths, that aren't their, you know, the, the kind of the best of who they are. So it really kind of helps them articulate and focus themselves into that work. I mean, if you're if you really really love accounting and you love everything that has to do with spreadsheets and you know payables and I mean that that stuff makes me like kind of want to vomit but like for someone else that's like <laughs> the best thing ever right and so if that's who you are that's going to be that you know what I mean you're not going to like create your personal brand of of being a jerk um or doing yeah. you know Hopefully kind of not mediocre work i mean who who would even bother to make a personal brand if they were going to do that kind of ridiculous thing so i think it's really really cool the way in which you you, you've put it in there um and it just kind of naturally takes people into that positive have you seen that that's kind of how people tend to react to it totally people definitely play their and and they should play their brand and you know into their strengths And, and a brand isn't about creating what you want to be it can be that's part of the brand plan but the first step is really discovering what your brand is even if you don't like it you know for example (laughs) to pick up on one of your lines you know that jerk at work that actually might be that person's brand but they might say you know i i'm a devil's advocate part of my brand is playing devil's advocate that's the role that i play and the value that i bring and i can prove that because we've you know had three or four innovations as a result of me sparring off with my you know with my colleague I could do it differently, but that's what I—that's where I want to own my brand. That even that jerk at work can say, "Yeah, you know what? That's right. That's that's me bringing my best. I can bring it better." But discovering that about me and changing the perception of you're kind of a jerk too. Wow, you're you're a devil's advocate, and you help us uncover opportunity where we haven't seen it before. Even that person has a brand that they can make into a positive. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and. If- uh, to your point, they might be able to p- polish the edges a little bit, but you know, being being Can't that important <laughs> voice is great. And so, you know, maybe the brand is having an opinion and standing up for what's right or whatever those things may be, as opposed to, yeah, being a jerk. So, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, when organizations start struggling, and probably every organization that's that's been around for any decent amount of time has had a moment when they were struggling. You know, oftentimes the focus is put then on their the talent in place at that time, whereas uh, maybe the focus might need to be on the leadership or the effectiveness of what's happening. So what would be your advice to a company that maybe is struggling to really compete in the market or or deal with some other issue? Where where should they really begin evaluating? Is it their people? Is it their leaders? Is it their process? I mean, where where would you kind of point them first? Hmm. Um, You know, I guess that's a hard one. I think my my first thing I would say is, is, 
to actually refocus on the organization. You know, if you're starting to struggle, the first thing to do is get back to, you know, what's your core purpose? What is it that you do as a business? Um, who are you? Who are you? What are you trying to provide for your customers, not just your external customers, but also your employees as customers? So that's the first thing is to remember who you are and to say, you know, are you being true to that? Did you stray off course somewhere? Is there a lack of clarity on your, on your purpose or your path? And, um, you know, maybe that's causing some struggle in the market. But the other thing I think about is, you know, if you think about strategy execution, you know, I always say 99% of, of realizing the strategy is human capital and 1% is the other stuff, right? And so I guess the question is, if you're off path, how are you managing your human capital? What is it that you're doing to develop your talent, to um, stay the course, to ensure that they're fully engaged, that the org structures are right, that um, your incentive plans are looking correct, that your performance processes are, are compelling the right kind of behavior? How is your human capital uh, impacting your your market um, traction? You know, I was th- I was reading the uh, Burson's Human Capital Trends Report for 2017. I read all of it, all 144 pages, truly. And on the first um, couple pages, you've got a really interesting chart on there that shows uh, two key things. It shows sort of this curve um, that's the the technology curve, like technology evolution, and it's you know shooting off the page. It's just over years, over years, there's more and more evolution in the space of technology. But he's got another uh, piece of the curve there that shows productivity and people keeping up um, with productivity in, in conjunction with technology change. And he goes on to say that um, we're basically stagnant in regards to employees being productive. And that got me thinking, you know, if you look at that delta, what, what they start to say is the, the delta is all about how you're organizing the employees that you have, how you're organizing talent to be successful. And so that comes to mind when you ask that question. But the other thing that comes to mind is how are you meeting the expectations of your customers? If you're not getting market traction, you really need to look at how you're serving your customers. Uh, you know, I'll pick on McDonald's for a minute. McDonald's has delicious French fries, you know, consistent hamburgers, but they've had declining sales, you know, for the past, I think, four or five years. And they're, you know, working on their image and they're working on some of the offerings and these sorts of things. But they're disrupted with things like grocery chains are offering prepared foods that you don't have to go to McDonald's. You can get prepared foods that are healthier directly in your uh, grocery store, um, you know, or they're impacted by economic decline um, and then shifting a menu to a value menu or something like that. McDonald's is an example of a brand that really is agilely trying to keep up with its customers. But even in that market, even with that pivoting, um, it's not fast enough. And so are you listening to your customers and what they have to say? Are you having preparing a workforce to also pivot with resilience in times of change? Because we have unpredictable business patterns today. It's not like it was in the past. Yeah, well, uh, a lot to think about. And um, you kind of touched on a, a couple different areas that would be really important for anyone that might be struggling to really think about. Um, and besides maybe that uh, Erskine report that's 100 and something pages or the Gallup one that's 250 pages long, yeah. uh, what else are you reading right now? Is there a book or something you might suggest that our listeners take a look at? Uh, yeah, actually, you know what I'm doing? It's not a book. Don't laugh. I don't have a ton of time. So what I want, what I do is I cook dinner and I listen to the Moth podcast. I love it. And the Moth is a storytelling podcast. They, it's just normal people from all over the planet who are really, they're not trained storytellers, but they are masters of their craft, 
and they come in and share really inspiring stories. Um, sometimes they're a point in time. Sometimes it's about their life. They're amazing, and I love to learn how to storytell better, um, and so I get great skill development, but also it just warms the heart. So the Moth Podcast, that's my go-to right now. Well, that sounds like a fantastic podcast, and since our people, uh, our listeners really seem to enjoy podcasts, I'm sure when they're done here, they can pop over and listen to that one as well. It sounds uh, fascinating, and we all like hearing stories, and uh, being able to tell them better is is really a good one. I've, I've had a hard time finding like a good formula or a good book that really kind of defines how you tell a good story, because I know some great storytellers, and I think to myself, I'd like to tell stories as well as they tell them. They just seem to have the inflections and the pauses and the, I don't know, they, it, it's something learned or something along the way, but they really are good at it. So it, it sounds fascinating. You know, I uh, wanted to, to kind of maybe ask you two more questions here if we have time. And that first one would be, you know, uh, of all the great things that you mentioned today, if someone were to hear one thing or have just taken one thing away, wh- what do you kind of wish that would be? What's that one takeaway they should have heard? Well, and we covered a lot. So, um, you know, I think I think the t- takeaway is, you know, keep keep work flexible and fun, um, and think about how you can take advantage of multiple lens- lenses around flexibility in the workplace. You know, from programs to philosophy to processes to, to really focusing on place, uh, people, and platforms. You know, keep these things flexible so that you can deliver really amazing, compelling. Um, HR services to your employees and that you can get some really compelling information back like data, like engagement, um, et cetera. So that's a key, a key piece, I'd say. Well, very good. How can people get, uh, you know, a hold of you if they want to learn more about you and, and what you offer? Or, of course, where, where can they find SAP if they can't spell three letters? Um, where, where should they go to learn more about SAP? <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Uh, we have some really awesome social channels. So Life at SAP on Twitter or also on Facebook. You can also follow SAP on LinkedIn. You can follow me on HR, uh, HR Lightning on Twitter or on LinkedIn. I would be privileged to, um, to be able to engage with any of the listeners. So please reach out. I love talking about uh, HR to anyone that will listen. So I appreciate being on today. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be invited back uh, sometime in the future. Yeah, we'd love having you back, and uh, we'll definitely have you come back again. So thank you so much for joining me today, uh, being a great guest. And thank you to my first guest as well, joining me, who is all the way from Ireland. We got got through all the technical stuff and got it figured out. So uh, hopefully you gained something um, uh, by listening today that you can use in your own career or at home or wherever it may be. Next week, my guest will include Cecilia Gorman, a good friend of mine who's the owner of Creative Talent Partners, and Chelsea Zabo, the life and career coach for professional women with um, at Verbal Courage. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.